And welcome back to Across the County. I'm Noah. Thanks for joining me right here. Well, we may touch on COVID-19 and the coronavirus, but that's not the main topic of discussion today. I wanted to go in a little bit of a different direction. It's been a few months since I had my next guest on, William Sylvanius. Check him out, williamsylvanius.com. And our past topics, we've talked about the harmful impact of labels. And you know what I'm talking about. It's Personally, we all deal with that to some extent. And politically, well, just turn on the news networks. It's pretty much out there on a daily basis. And we may work that into the discussion today as well. He's an author, a book he's written, A Certain Mercy. Check that out. A coach, a speaker, and a change agent. I love that. We need more change agents in today's society. One thing on his website, if you head to williamsylvanius.com, you're going to find is, I think it's a quote that William wrote on there. If not, I'm sure he'll tell me where he got it from. But it says, the political system is broken. So how do you prepare to serve? Not by the training from the broken system. Well, I have to tell you, that really ties into what we're going to be talking about. Uh, William, did you, is, is that, those your words? I love them. <laughs> yes, those are my words. That's my deep belief that part of the problem is that people go up to into politics they're hoping to help make a change that we all want to see and then they get trained by people who are already trapped in the cycle and they just get co-opted right into it. Yeah, that cycle is a hard thing to break, but that is our discussion today. I was just ch- you came to my mind and I went to your website to see what was new and there's this nice diagram there the echo chamber effect on the website, williamsylvanius.com. People can check it out as we talk right now. It's very intriguing. First of all, before we dive into it, explain to the audience exactly what it is. Well, the echo chamber uh, effect is where we, re- we hear the same thing over and over again based on who we're talking to uh, or based on which media we're willing to listen to. And on Facebook and things like that, based on the algorithms, if you do a lot of your work on, uh, you're learning your news on uh, social media, on Facebook in particular, it looks at what you have shown an interest in, and then it gives you more of that. It gives you more of that. It creates this echo chamber. You're getting this more and more of your own opinion, and you're not really getting the ability to objectively look at the whole picture. Yeah, and I really think that's something in the mainstream media today that is just, it, it's saturated with not just the same stories, but the same narrative over and over again. And so, you know, besides a lot of it not being truthful, you get enough of that, you know, as a viewer or as a listener, if it's if it's on a, a big mainstream media radio station, of course, you don't hear that here, you almost start to believe some of that because that's what you're like well they're talking about it they're reporting it this obviously must be true yeah that really does happen it also happens in a subtle way and we we will find ourselves all of a sudden saying something and we you know we'll catch ourselves up and we're going like did i just say that and that's because like you say when you hear it over and over again that's what's going in the brain over and over again and that's what's going to back out of the mouth unless you're countering it. And that's really hard to do. But stuff coming, the same words, just by the same people, uh, same issues all the time, and a lot of it being opinion, words about opinion rather than facts, Mm. you end up opinions coming out of your mouth. 
Well, I believe this can also be used for how people view things, not just personally, obviously with views on the coronavirus, because there's a lot going on there and with different aspects of it. And then politically, we have a November election coming up. Uh, that's rampant, when you, especially when you're on social media. I mean, you're going to see probably one side of it, and that's unfortunately going to affect your vote. And maybe it's not the way that you would have voted had you had the entire picture. Yeah, and I think we saw that in 2016 when we had our last presidential yes, we did. Uh, election year. And uh, it hasn't gotten better. The four years have actually just reinforced that echo chamber. It's been over and over and over. Um, you know, people got an emphasis they were going after, and that they were so focused on that. We both sides uh, were so focused on that that they quit hearing anything else. And it, it just really shows. And you know, and whether, we've, go, no, go ahead, finish your thought. I think we've been pulled down into something that we just really don't realize. It just has been so all permeating in our lives. We haven't even realized that this is happening to us. I agree with you. I mean, honestly, I, mean, I always try and get a balanced approach to whatever topic I happen to be talking about or, or being researched. Uh, when you don't work in the media, maybe you don't have the time for that. And I understand. Uh, that but it's difficult to realize you're even there until you like you just said moments ago you say something that normally wouldn't come out of your mouth and you catch yourself and you're like wait a minute where did that come from that doesn't sound like me <laughs> another time is sometimes uh we can sometimes get caught because we say something or someone asks the questions well you think so and so and we say yeah and then they say why and all of a sudden we realize, I don't know why. I have this deep emotional belief in this thing, but I don't even know why I have that. And that can really shake your boots if someone does that to you, and I think it's a favor when they do. Well, and I think it's a good thing if that actually happens, uh, William. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, because then it maybe gets you to take a step back analyze why, because you don't know at the moment, why you believe that, why you're having that reaction, and maybe you can trace it back to, you know, maybe the programming that you're watching or the people that you're hanging out with. It's just, uh, you know, all one-sided view that you'll be able to hopefully correct that if you want to get back to where you were before. And I agree, except for one thing, and that is we tend to go back to the same place we've been connected to. That's right. So how and hard so, is it? No, go, go ahead. Go ahead. So you go there to find the answer. You go right back to the same place that has said that over and over again, and you just dump right back into that cycle, and you never really do get the, the facts or the uh, things that you can personally evaluate. You don't get the encouragement to think for yourself. It's hard. It's really hard in today's society for just about anybody because it is such a plugged in, fast paced moving world. Seven, you know, 24 7, 365. You almost don't have a chance to catch your breath and do just that. Take a step back, any of us. That's true. And uh, as I've been doing a lot more thinking and studying about brain and all that kind of stuff, one of the things that I realized was that. That speed with which things are happening is actually, can, it overwhelms our pure brain power, potentially even, to stop and think, to stop and apply reason, to, to, go, to go out and gather facts, to go out and look even at things around us. We, 
uh, we just are running hard. We don't have time. We almost don't even know how to do it anymore, do we? Well, and that's what happens next, yeah. That's what happens next. So how hard is it to step out of that echo chamber? It, it, because obviously, if we realize it, if, we're, if we want to be authentic, how hard is it to actually do that and get more on the path of being your authentic self? If you know about the echo chamber and you know, oh, wait a minute, I want to break this thing, then it's not actually hard as one would think because thing that's hardest to do is to make the conscious decision that you are going to listen not only to the comfortable but also to the uncomfortable. If you can make that conscious decision and put it into practice, then you can break out of the echo chamber and you can begin to find your own authentic And I think the hardest part for any of us, and again, if you're really driven to wanting to be your true self, uh, even though it might be uncomfortable, the uncomfortable things that you'll hear, you can get past that. But that's what stops a lot of us. I don't want to have that uncomfortable transition to get back to where I was. You know what? It's not worth it. I'll, I'll just lay back. Everything's everything's fine. Let's just continue to do things as we're doing them. Yeah, and, you know, we carry into that, it's because it's just we're human, we just are going to, we carry into that our negative feelings about the, the things that make us uncomfortable. So when we first start listening, we aren't really listening with our mind, we're listening with our emotions, and our emotions say, oh, I can't stand to hear this rubbish. Uh, and that's because you're still in that kind of fight and flight mode rather than in a learning mode. That's true. And getting ourselves to learning mode is... is uh, is the goal. It's, it's doable, and we can do things that help us get there, but unless we're aware that of what's happening, we, we give up, yeah, and it's easier to go back. You know what I always try and do, William, is, by the way, William Sylvanius with us, williamsylvanius.com there. When you go to the website on the landing page, you're going to be able to see the diagram, the echo chamber effect that we're talking about. We're going to tie that into a couple of other things. But I try and do personally so that I'm able to come up with the correct view, the correct decision. As I always say, if I want to react to something somebody has told me, something I've seen, instead of instantly responding, unless I have to and I'm, and I'm at work and I try and do the quick thinking, I try to not have an emotional response. I take that emotion and I think about it and I dissect it and I try and use my brain more. And oftentimes, I give myself that 24-hour rule. And at the end of that 24 hours, a lot of the times my reaction is different than what it initially would have been. Yeah, that really, that really is true. Um, yeah, when we recognize the emotional, if we're needing a quick thing to, to help us step away just a second, is again asking ourselves why. Where's that emotion coming from? What is it the fact? What's the fact here? And there's a good thing about our brain. Our brain wants, our automatic brain wants to please our conscious brain. Mm-hmm. And because it wants to please our conscious brain, when we consciously say, no, I'm not wanting emotion here, I want fact, the brain will start working to pull those things up for you. So it can kind of short-circuit that whole emotion-ridden thing and get you back to the facts. The other thing is the brain loves to make choices. So if you can put that in terms of whatever you're looking at, if it's in terms of choices, then you tell the brain, you know, uh, I know I want to look at the facts, I want to do X, Y, Z, 
And if you can put that in a sense of uh, question of making choices of things that are in your brain, it will then double down to please you and double down to get you to where you want to go. That's the good thing about the brain. Didn't you tell me last time, correct me if I'm wrong, when your brain makes choices and because it likes that, don't you get, get a shot of, uh, of, uh, of energy, of dopamine of some kind that kind of energizes your body? I think I remember you telling me that. What it is, is when you make a negative choice or when even you receive a negative bit of information, then it gets the dopamine chain critical. The first feeling from dopamine is, is often a sense of reward. And it's really a self-serving sense. It's a, okay. uh, a reward for being self-centered. But if you get break to the reasoning, then you start getting the other chemical, which is a serotonin, and that gives you an even better sense of reward, a, a sense of uh, fulfillment-type reward. That's so, yeah, those brain chemicals can work for you or against you. And you just got to pay attention to what's going on. Now, my next two points and questions for you I'm kind of relating them more to the election because this is going to be a passionate, emotionally filled, uh, you know, people have their polar opposite views. But you have to, no matter what side you're on, you have to think about what's going on before you cast your vote, all the issues. With the echo chamber effect, it's really important to realize that you're in that if you want to get back to being your authentic self, which is not false, not copied, genuine and real, which is on your website. In your view, how much authenticity is in our country right now? Do, do we, because my, uh, unfortunately, I think in politics, there's not a lot of it out there. And I hate saying that, but that's truly what I feel inside. I uh, actually feel very much the same way. What I hear coming out of people's mouths is usually something that this has been copied, something that's just said over and over again, and they're just saying the same thing. That's copying. Now, yes, you can come to a deep belief in that, but more often than not, you can tell it's copying because it's this followed by this, by this, by this, which doesn't indicate thinking. It just thinks it's uh, being absorbed. Then you throw a false piece in there that is being talked about as well, and you know you've got a problem. But, you know, it's really hard today to get the facts Everybody seems to have a different set of facts, and they claim them to be true. Yeah, unless uh, unless you have, like, you know, and I know you like doing this as well, but unless you take the time, and that's the big part of it. A lot of us are so busy, especially now, trying to make sure all of our ends are being met, and we have the money, and, you know, we're able to work, and we're taking care of our families, is we don't have the time to really research, hey, I heard this on the news, and I want to do the research to make sure this is true. So you hear it, you believe it. And you move on. And that, unfortunately, is part of what's going on and I think going to be a big part of the election. It is. And part of it's going to be what they cause us to think of ourselves. I was doing some uh, a couple of programs I've just recently put on. I did a little more look at the campaigning systems and how they operate at current time. And uh, I was really shocked because when I got into the literature, what the research has found is that the successful campaign is the one that touches your emotions and makes you feel like you've got to vote this way or the world's going to end. Yeah. You know what? I got to thinking and I'm going like, I'm hearing that said out loud. I'm going like, wow. Yeah, that, re- that really just feels like that is exactly what it's going through, no matter what your political views are. If they're more conservative, if they're more liberal, you kind of hear it on 
both sides of the aisle. You, you don't vote this way. Not going to be good. It's actually going to be horrible. It's going to be devastating. Whether that's true or not, well, time will tell. And, you know, again, it's all about research. But you hear it from both sides, don't you? You do. And that's actually one of those cognitive distortions that we operate on in our systems and in our brain. And we're actually vulnerable to when we're actually stressed out. One of my fears about the current political situation is how silent so much is with the systems of, uh, you know, getting into denominations and Maria Chepson and all that, there isn't really as much news out there about positions or any of that. It's just this fight, fight, fight. Uh, and, and, and we're not really hearing what's going on behind the scenes. And it makes me afraid that the big, powerful political machines are actually building something that we aren't aware of. And they're just trying to get us to vote so that they can get their party in or get their party stronger so that uh, the machine can say what to do. Oh, William, you, oh, you're speaking my language, my friend. You hit the nail right on the head. We had a caller on one of our other uh, radio shows that I produce earlier in the week, and he put it like this, and I had already been thinking it, that a lot of what's going on right now in government, no matter whether it's in Congress, I really don't feel it from the presidential office, and in a lot of aspects, not to side with anybody, because I do think he's alone, but I don't see a lot of this from Trump, but people that have been there a while, whether they're Republican or Democrat, there's a lot of distractions that are going on. Hey, look over here. Look what's happening here. Hey, look over here. Look what's happening here. Let's squabble over this. Let's squabble over that. And I agree with you. I think something is going on and it has nothing to do with anything that's being reported on any news network. And I also did a little looking into the political system and I actually started reading some of the congressional rules because that's where I think my focus went to. Uh, there's just, well, there's a lot more things going on between parties there when the executive branch just tends to be a little more uh, monolithic because it's, the main focus is the president for the most part. I agree. But I found that the rules are written in a way that they're really doing more with rules to try and strengthen their positions than they are with any kind of trying to convince one another of this or that. So we're not getting good debates. We're not getting any of that. We're not getting good committee hearings, nothing, because they're all being used to manipulate the system to give them power to either block something they don't want or to get it past people who are blocking it. And I'm like, wow, you know, it's all about the system. It's not about the work. And that distressed me, too. I have to admit, some of these things really do distress me. But not to the point that I think they can't be corrected. It's just going to be harder to do so. Well, and this is where, and, and this is where I would. Well, this is where this is not to interrupt you, but this is where I would. Again, this is a, a bipartisan thing for me. Uh, the Republicans have obviously been, and they held Congress for a while. Now uh, they only hold the Senate, which is which is fine. But I still don't think they're really getting anything done. The members of Congress, and if people agree with that. The easiest thing you can do, instead of you know letting things go on as they are, is when the elections in November come up, a lot of them are up for re-election, vote them out. Vote the Republicans out, vote the Democrat out, that's not getting anything done, and vote in a fresh face. And do your research on the candidate before you vote for them, because you want somebody in there that's going to stay true to what they're campaigning for. Yeah, I think that's very much true. 
but I think we're facing a problem here. Like, I, I, I have a new acquaintance from the country of Nigeria. Okay. And he was saying to me, because he wanted me to do some work with him, he said, you know, the people don't really understand the system. If they understood, they would do something about it. And I think we've gotten to that point here. We don't understand in the general population what we're seeing happening, and therefore you don't realize that that key is to actually kind of probably going to be to vote a bunch of those folks out and put new folks in. Yeah. Because the new folks do get to write the rules at the beginning of every new session of Congress. That's right. I agree with that. Well, and I think you're beginning to see, William, I, again, I'd love your perspective on this. Again, William Sylvanius is our guest. Head to williamsylvanius.com. He's an author. You're going to find about his book there, A Certain Mercy. He's a speaker an author, as I just said, a coach and an agent of change, a change agent, which we need more of here in America with living in such crucial times. But what I find interesting is people, I believe, with the coronavirus, they're paying enough attention, even if they don't do a lot of research. The numbers aren't adding up when you're looking at the testing and you're looking at how that testing, how the positives are being calculated. It's very easy to see that numbers are being overblown, that a lot of fear is being put out there in the media, and also that they can possibly have a little bit more control and a little bit more power over you and me. Yeah, that's the, the really negative side of what's happened with this whole coronavirus thing is that uh, extension of control over people and different aspects of their lives. Uh, we don't want ourselves to get comfortable with that as being, oh, that's fine. And I'm glad for the fact that some of the facts just don't add up and, and they don't add up to the extent that people are actually thinking about it and talking about it and pressing back about it mm. and recognizing the media who are doing one line one way or one line the other way and the experience of people in the field or them with the coronavirus themselves is different. One of the things out of coming, I believe, coming out of coronavirus is with that time people have had to be alone with themselves, they've had more time to think. Yeah. They've had more time to hear things. And I think we are coming out of it with the public more likely to make demands. I think now... Actually, we are in a situation where if we can get it handled right, that we can actually see a change in the whole political system as far as those negative things out there. Uh, it's a matter of getting that word out there. And, and like you were saying, you know, hey, folks, if this is bothering you here, you know, this is one of those times. And I think people are still um, not so busy that they, are, they aren't going to they're going to say, oh, let me look at that. Let me think about that. And it might have an effect especially since the political parties are acting like we're just the same old thing we were before. Uh, they keep thinking of us as numbers instead of as humans. Uh, they haven't realized that they have actually alienated their bases, and I hear that from the local Republican committee, and I hear that from the local Democratic committee. They're upset with their upper side of the House. They tell me, oh, I'd go for a third party in a heartbeat if I could find one that had my values. And, you know, they, they aren't attached to the people. Their communication is not coming to us. It's coming through polls and all that stuff where you can manipulate the numbers. I think we have some power that's going back to the people. If we can just help people understand that that election process is the way the founders made it possible is to us to have 
some control. You must have a tool belt on and a lot of nails because you're hitting a lot of them right on the head. Things I have already <laughs> thought there, William. But it is it's true. We are treated by both parties right now by the the upper ups like numbers and not human beings and if we were treated like they're treating themselves because they you know they have different rules for themselves and you know uh, i think it would be a much different scenario and unfortunately it's not so we get a lot of your more local leaders in cities and counties across the nation standing up for what they believe in maybe you're not in local leadership well you can actually get into it we were talking about that on another radio program uh, you know, if you want change, maybe run for office yourself and be that change. Then you're going to start to see results. I agree totally. And I think some of us who are seeing things the way you are and the way I'm, I'm seeing them, we have to find a way to be able to become the support network for these folks who do take that um, as their next job, their next phase of their life. We need to be able to catch onto their wagons and become the ones who train them so that we train them not only what they're going to face, so it's not a surprise, but we also can train them on here are some ways to handle situations like mm. this yeah. so that you don't lose your edge, you don't lose your ability to affect the change you want. Well, I knew we were going to run out of time. We do have a couple of minutes left. i got to have you back on soon because there's much more I want to get to, William. So, But I want to get to this real quickly. Our first couple of conversations, we talked about labels and the harmful effect those can cause on people. So tying these conversations together, is there a link between labels and labeling people and the echo chamber effect? I'm very curious as to your answer on this. I think they're totally tied together. We go into the echo chamber where they're talking the labels that match the thoughts behind ours, the images behind our label. And the other people who have a different image behind that label they're in the other camp. They're in the other air chamber. So what we expect the label to mean and stand for, it dictates where we end up and where we're comfortable with, and it keeps us tied into that. It's just like the dynamics on the diagram. So the whole way of we're processing our labels do the same. Mm. It's only when we re-image our labels. So, for instance, I see a lot of... Uh, I feel, well, I'm going to pick on the label first. Uh, I shouldn't, but I am the same. I don't have a problem with that. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) We see a lot of liberals who are, who really view anything Republican as being not quite human and needed to be removed from the country, including the people who have those views. Right. Or they think they can't even have them because the human thinks that. And then it happens on the other side. Well, you're going to, until you break that bad image behind me. I mean, it's not even logical, you know. Until you say, no, I have to look at Republican as people who have a different view, and then I need to find out what it is. And by the way, they probably think that about me, and I need to make sure I'm talking in a way we don't, I don't shut them down, but they will, I have to begin to listen. Those are skills we can learn and teach and uh, can make a huge difference. Yeah, one thing I've heard is that if, if, if I've had this personally happen to me, they have people out there, not they, they are out there, and if they say, hey, you're a Trump supporter, that means that because you support Trump, everything that he is, you are that as well. And 
you know, so if he's a racist, you're a racist. If he's a sexist, you're a sexist. I don't believe that he is those things, but you, you see the relation, and that's just a scary kind of a logic that people use out there. It is, and it's being applied down the pike in speaking to people in the different Democratic structures and both the Democrats and the Republicans. They are complaining that people in the leadership are doing that, and people who are just simply tied to being at the chamber themselves are doing that. So you have people who for a long time, uh, particularly uh, one I'm thinking of, long-time activistic person within the Democrats, and all of a sudden they're being told, well, we're just not sure you're really truly a Democrat because they don't want to pair 100% of what they hear. That's serious business. That's very serious. And it's very scary, and it is a train of thought we're having to deal with. Um, I'm going to have you back on in a couple of weeks. I, I've made that decision during this interview because there's so much I want to get to, and I'm out of time. But in the 60 seconds we have left, William Sylvanius, what projects and missions are ahead for you? At, you know, Right now, the echo chamber effect, I know talking about that is a big thing. But what else do you have going on? I have done, I've done some programs, uh, doing some more. Two of my recently did were Find Your Own Authentic Political Voice where I help you find your own authenticity so that you can make sure your voice is authentic. And one is I talk politics without fear, uh, without anger and fear. So I'm trying to do things that help people begin to take back control of their mind and their conversations so that they can be better participants. Uh, there's all kinds of ways I do that. Those were all done online. One was three, five days. One was three days. And then finding out with some more. And, uh, if I can do all of this at the same time, I'll get them up there on that website so people know about them. But I also encourage people to go to William Sylvanius, William L. Sylvanius on Facebook because that's where I'm almost all those announcements Great. there regardless. So. Yeah, follow William on Facebook. Go to williamsylvanius.com. And, uh, you know, maybe you can take the anger and fear that you're teaching, you know, uh, or not, you're not teaching that. You're trying to look at politics without that. Maybe take that to Washington and have, you know, have a sit down with all of Congress and say, hey, you know what? This is the way you guys should do it. Yep. And I was ho- I'm hoping that, you know, while I'm working more with the people now, my actual goal is to find a way to talk to more of people at a higher level. In fact, one of my goals to do in August, while I don't have as much on my schedule, is to start making more context to current freshman legislators Good, uh, and talk to them, make sure that my thoughts would go, make sure what I understand they're going to is true so that I can have something and develop something that might attract the new guys and new gals going in. Well, I support you here on on my show, and if that comes into fruition, I would love to be able to talk about some of the reactions that you're getting and how that's actually going to be affecting this country moving forward, because I think that is desperately needed by yourself, and you're actually going to put that into action, which is good, and by others that might think the very same way and are in similar lines of work or getting into it. And I'm always willing to have more contacts out there who have these issues that they think are true, et cetera, and uh, they can find my contact information either on the website or on the Facebook. I, I love to hear from them. We're not going to solve this, just me. We're going to solve it because there's enough of us to create a mass that can address the issue. We have to stand up as Americans, and we got to do it together. That's the only way we're going to keep this country going. WilliamSylvanius.com, William 
L. Sylvanius on Facebook. My friend, thanks for stopping by and having the chat with me. Going to have you back on soon, and we'll get into more issues and uh, try and look at it from an intellectual perspective that's good for everybody. Uh, and I've appreciated being back on. I I, uh, I love it when you talk with me. We cover so much good territory. We need to talk more about food. I, I know our conversations uh, offline are all, always about food because it's all about the good recipes and, you know, feeling full at the end of the day. Uh, oh, yeah, we can do that. <laughs> Noah here and across the county. Stay tuned. There's more coming up.